welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast. Today's show brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts the car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. I am your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show on Twitter while you're at it, at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Leaving a rating, even a comment as well. I'll be hosting a giveaway once I receive 100 reviews, so get those in and let's win some prizes. Uh, so today, it's a fi- It's official. It's officially official, finally. The CBA has been ratified. We're going to get six more years of labor peace, six more years of hockey, and best of all, it's returning this season, hopefully. Assuming that, you know, an outbreak doesn't occur between now and the startup slash now and, and, you know, the end of, or the beginning of of October when the season's supposed to finish. So, again, everything's still technically subject to player safety and 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 if the pandemic has a, a you know, a round 2 and it really starts to hit within the NHL, all right, maybe they'll have to take a step back and then take the hit for the season. But for now, they're going to give it a go and it it officially got ratified today. The NHLPA voted 502 for the ratification agreement, just 135 against. So nearly 79% approved to extend the CBA through until 2026. So uh, we're going to get a lot a lot of hockey coming up, which is great because I know there, there was a lot of rumblings of whether or not that they were going to end up getting this deal uh, done, like without even COVID hitting, whether or not they were going to get done over the next couple of seasons and whether or not we were going to get hockey uh two seasons from now and it it's you know now they use this time wisely i guess while nobody was playing hockey they use this time to hunker down and try and hammer out a cba so that they can get an extension so that they don't have to worry about it a couple of summers from now they were able to to figure it out and kudos to both sides because and especially you know Gary Bettman and the way that the the NHL and the owners went about things because usually this is not a fun fight uh and and uh, it doesn't go very well you know we've had two lockouts in the last uh, 15 years which is not great for for a sport that needs to keep growing. You know, it's it's it is among the top you know four top five sports in in North America. But in order for it to keep growing worldwide, I do believe that it needs to stop locking out every you know seven or eight years when the CBA extends because you know the owners are getting a little greedy. Uh, but but it seems like both the owners and the players were willing to work things out, and we got it ratified. So that's that's awesome. That's amazing. Something that I did note, though, um, you know, about the seventy nine percent approval rating, I thought, wow, that's that's pretty high, actually. Nearly eighty percent approval rating throughout the league. That's got to be you know pretty high compared to normal. So I thought I'd, I'd take a look and I dig a little bit and I try and find what was the number back in twenty thirteen, and it was actually ninety eight. approval rating just 12 12 players in the NHL who had a vote voted against it back when the lockout was going on in 2013 and it made me think was it because it was during a lockout 
So a lot more players felt pressured to accept the deal so they could get back to work. Whereas here, they still technically had another year to go before they even had to think about it. They were still going to get paid next year regardless, right? They, they technically all just got paid their nice big bonuses on July 1st. So money wasn't an issue for, for a lot of players who, who got their bonus money on the 1st. Um, so I don't know if that played into a fact of, of having a lower percentage than in 2013. But regardless, almost 80% approval, That's that's I think that's still a good sign. Uh, it seems like both sides are, are pretty happy with the deal based on that. Um, and let's let's get into what the new CBA entails. Okay, so here's here's some things that I guess we should we should talk about, some some notables that I kind of pulled away from it. Uh, so here's the first thing. Escrow. The dreaded buzzword in all CBA negotiations, and I swear this is the last time that I really want to talk about escrow until 2026 because um, it's 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 just one of those words that people don't listen. I'm not gonna say I'm an absolute expert, and I know exactly what escrow is because I still am somewhat like confused, sort of how it works. To be quite honest with you. But I do know that this is one of the things that the players have decided that that was a hill that they were willing to die on. They needed escrow to be capped, and that was something that was a big demand going into the next CBA, into this CBA negotiations. And they did a pretty good job at getting what they wanted. So um, next season, it's going to be capped at twenty percent, which is a little bit high, but that's only because the you know the economy and the lost money from this season. And it's kind of a way, I guess, for, for revenue split to, to even out going into next season. But then it starts to decrease over the years, and it decreases to a low of just 6% escrow in the final couple of years of the agreement. And I think that's a big win for the players. Uh, it, it was something that they really felt was necessary if they were going to hammer out another agreement or an extension, uh, that was something that they certainly, they wanted to pay less escrow because, you know, they felt like they were just taking too much money out of their pockets at the end of the day and the owners were making enough money as is. So, um, you know, after paying taxes and all that, then having to pay escrow on top of that, they just wanted to to make sure that they got what they were worth and what they were paid and didn't have to pay uh, as much back to the league and, and to the owners. So um, now seeing that number decrease to, to 6%, that should, uh, that should, I mean, obviously they'll probably still complain because they're still giving away 6% of their money, but still, uh, it's a lot better than what they were doing. Um, and, and that should definitely be a win for the players going forward. Um, another thing of note, uh, I, I believe I talked about it last week, but you know there's going to be a, a flat cap. So in order to keep these salaries from outpacing the revenues, uh, which would require a higher escrow withholding, uh, the, the salary cap is going to remain at $85.5 million until the revenues return to about where they were before the pandemic hit. So I don't have that number offhand of exactly what the revenue was for the NHL, but based on a 50-50 revenue split, you'd assume know, around like $160 million or so. Uh, but so that could take a couple of seasons to get there. Hopefully it happens quicker rather than later so that we could see the cap rise, so that we could see players get more and so that we could see these teams who right now are kind of cap strapped a little bit give them a little bit more flexibility going forward because you know we talked about it last week how much that's kind of going to affect the Maple Leafs you know they have already they're right up against the cap and that's they still have guys that they need to sign 
right? They still are going to have to sign Freddie Anderson next year. They're still going to have to sign uh, Zach Hyman. They're still going to have to get Morgan Riley under contract at some point. And you look at what's coming off the books. I mean, yeah, you got Clarkson and 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 you got Nathan Horton coming off the books. But even with those off, they're still right up against the cap because remember they only took those on to put them on LTIR so that they were able to go like ten million over the cap in order to get everybody fit in. But you know when the season started, so it's not like they just have opened up ten million dollars in cap space once they get those off the books. They're still right up against it, so they're gonna have to do some maneuvering to this roster over the summer. To, and over the next couple of seasons, really, do a little bit of tinkering to make sure that the guys, you know, the, the core players that they want to keep around, like I would imagine Hyman is a guy who they're willing to, to move out a player like Kapanen or Janssen, you know, that type of contract, to move him out to keep Hyman in the fold when his contract is up. Another player, probably Freddie Anderson. They don't have any, uh, a goalie coming up through the ranks that is ready to take over next season if, if he ends up taking off to free agency because the Leafs can't pay him. So there are a couple of things that the Leafs are going to have to tinker with going forward. Maybe we do see one of the big fish go, one of, of Nylander or Marner or maybe even, I don't know, John Tavares or heaven forbid, but I mean, if you got to get $12 million off the books, Austin Matthews is a guy who would be highly coveted by a lot of people. Now, don't get me wrong. I do not think that the Leafs are going to trade Matthews, and I do not want the Leafs to trade Matthews. I'm just saying they had to move out, you know, up to $12 million in, in salary. There's a guy who's making that type of money. Um, but yeah, so that flat cap is actually, I believe, going to be a, a little bit tricky for Kyle Dubas to try and tiptoe around over the next couple of seasons. But again, uh, it's only going to be until the revenues get back to where they were. So hopefully that doesn't take too, too long and uh, and we see those increase. Something else is, is kind of interesting is the fact that the, I believe in the U.S., the, uh, the NHL uh, broadcasting rights contract is up at the end of the season. So, in essence, if they could somehow create a bidding war and increase that revenue to bring in for the uh, the the hockey rights, the broadcasting rights in the states, then I think that could potentially go a long way into making sure that you get to that to those revenue levels sooner rather than later, right? So that's also something that I I believe is interesting that hasn't really been talked about quite yet. Uh, but just, you know, of note, we'll see what ends up happening with that. Uh, all right, a, a couple other things here that I will get to. Uh, but first, I do want to tell you guys all about Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how'd you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, Mike DiStefano still with you here on the Locked On Lease podcast. Uh, just going through a few other things to note in this new CBA 
that was officially ratified today. So we are going to get a return to play. Uh, and uh, after I finish going through what goes on in the CBA, I'll discuss the return to play schedule as well and kind of what to look forward to over the next coming months. Uh, but a couple other big things that, that are coming out of the CBA. The Olympics, I think, is one of the biggest Biggest wins here for the players. Everybody knows how badly they've been wanting to go back to the Olympics after missing out in 2018 when they went to Pyeongchang. And I, I spoke about it last week. I thought that business-wise, it's just smart to have them in the Olympics. I don't understand why a, a, a sport like hockey, who needs to grow, in my opinion, worldwide, and especially in the Asian market, would not want to send their players and advertise their product on the grand stage uh, that is the Olympics, especially trying to do it in, in when it's going to be in Beijing in China. Where's all the money these days? It's in China. So if you can try and get, you know, the 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 popularity, um, you know, the NBA is, has getting, gotten so popular over in China. If you can somehow get some of those eyeballs over there, that'll open up, you know, a billion more potential potential viewers for the sport of hockey obviously i understand not every single person in asia is going to be a hockey fan so that number is outrageous but if you can just get you know like a few more million of them that's not bad you know that's not bad you get a couple of million fans that are ordering nhl center ice and they're just you know putting that money into the product that's how we're going to get more revenue that's how we'll see the cap start to increase like we've seen in the NBA and the NFL. So that's one of the big things that I, I think is, is huge, not only for the players, but to me, the owners. This is huge for the owners. I understand that it does kind of put a, a random halt to the season midway through in February every four years. But let's be honest. I think at the end of the day, this is going to work out best for everybody. You know, the players are happy because they get to go and represent their country and, and try and play for a gold medal. And, and then the owners are happy because they're advertising their product worldwide on the grandest stage of them all, the Olympics. So a big win, I think, for both of them. Um, the only thing is... This is still technically pending a deal with the with the IOC and the IIHF. So I I don't want to say that I'm skeptical, but just keep in mind that it is possible. It is possible that the NHL could you know they could attempt to negotiate in good faith, but they still could come back and be like, listen, they they didn't really agree to the terms that we were looking for, and we couldn't find we couldn't agree on something. So. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm sorry, we, we didn't agree, we didn't we didn't come up with, with something, we're not going to be able to sign off sending you guys to the Olympics. Sorry, we'll try again in 2026. Uh, what's going to happen then? You know, like how much friction would be there between the NHL and the NHLPA if in a couple of seasons after basically making it seem like you guys are going back to the Olympics and then kind of going back on and being like, yeah, we didn't really find a deal that worked for both of us, so sorry about that. Uh, we're just going to keep playing and forego the Olympics again this season. That's not going to go over very well. I can guarantee you that. Uh, so that that's going to be something to monitor over the next year or two, the conversations that go on between the NHL and uh, the IIHF and the IOC. So... We'll keep an eye on that over the next over the next little bit and see if, if we hear any chatter about any type of negotiations going on for that. Um, all right, a couple more things here. Free agent courting period 
has been di- just cut out, gone. No more courting period that week or that the, yeah, I think it was about a week before um, or five days or something like that before July 1, before free agency when you were allowed to, to court free agents. You know, John Tavares, you know, every single day he, he went to Montreal one day, then he went to San Jose one day, Toronto, New York, and they all did those pitches and, and they explained, you know, this is why we want you. Um, this is what we're going to do for you. And then, lo and behold, by the time midnight struck on uh, midnight str- or, um, noon, sorry, struck on the clock, there was already a deal in place to, to sign John Tavares with the Leafs. That's not going to be the case this year. However, <laughs> that's not going to be the case legally this year. But we all know, we all know, the NHL knows that this was going on even before this courting period was even a possibility. You had guys who were signing contracts the minute free agency opened up. You're going to tell me that there was no conversations, that they just called them like, hey, we're going to offer you three years at uh, $4 million per. You ready to go? You want to sign that? Yeah, sure. 30 seconds within the, the, the you know, by 12, 12.01, they have that all hammered out and, and signed? Come on now. Come on. So I really don't understand why they took it out. I, I, I personally don't know who it affects negatively, the fact that they want to take it out. You know, like, they, they still do all talk to each other off the books. We all know this. The league knows this. So why they felt the need to take this out in the, in the new CBA, I do not know. If you have a better understanding of why, uh, you know, this may negatively impact one side or the other, please... Please message me on Twitter, you know, at MakeInnisWorkNuck or the show at Lockdown Leafs, and let me know why because I just I just don't understand it personally. It just it just made no sense to me. I thought it was kind of a weird thing to to take out and delete in the next CBA extension. Uh, one thing that I do like though that is being added: no moves and no trade clauses will travel with the players for the duration of their contract. So in the past. And, and I actually wasn't even aware that this was a thing until I believe, uh, until P.K. Subban got traded. And then I kind of understood what what this meant. So when a player signs a contract with the, with a team and they sign a no mover or no trade clause, then, you know, obviously, okay, so, so you cannot be moved or traded without permission from the player. Um, and in the past, if you waived that no trade or that no move to get traded, from a team, you then lost that clause in your contract and it didn't carry over to your new team. So what you saw last year was P.K. Subban, who had a no-trade clause when he was with Montreal, but waived it to go to Nashville. But then because he didn't have it anymore, because he had already waived it in his contract, he then was susceptible to being moved by Nashville and didn't have a say into where he wanted to go, and he ended up in New Jersey this season and is not playing in the playoffs. That won't happen anymore. He'll have a say. Every every player is now going to have a say. Now, I'm not sure if these contracts are, are going to be grandfathered. I would assume so, that they're going to be grandfathered now going forward. Um, and these, like... like by next year, PK will now like his no move clause will be reinstated, and 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 he'll have to, you know, give the go ahead if he's gonna get traded elsewhere. I, I I actually still need to do a little bit more research into that once once the full CBA kind of comes out and we get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, but the fact that they are adding those in, I think, is 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 a nice win for the players. It just gives them stability. 
uh, and it gives them a little bit more control about where 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 they can play and and you know it's not taking away something that they worked hard to to get right like they don't get no trade no move classes if you're a schlep they only give those to the players who earn it and if you've earned it on one team you should earn it for all teams and a guy like pk yeah you could say i mean he hasn't really played up to his standards over the last couple of seasons but he earned it early in his career and when he signed that big nine-year contract he earned that clause and now that clause is going to carry and going forward, all other players, it's going to carry with them wherever they go. So if they saw, if they waive it because they want to go to a, a better team, if that team is floundering, and they waive to go to a better team, they no longer have to be worried about, okay, well, if I waive this now, what if in a year from now they want to trade me again and I have to move my family again? You know, that's not going to be an issue anymore because they're still going to have to waive the clause. So that's a good thing. Um... The last little interesting little tidbit that I pulled out that I wanted to discuss, uh, teams are no longer going to be able to assign conditional draft picks pertaining to the re-signing of a player. So uh, let's take this year as an example. Taylor Hall, when he was traded from New Jersey to Arizona, there was a conditional third-round pick that was attached in that deal, and it had to do with the fact of whether or not Taylor Hall was going to re-sign in Arizona or not. So if he re-signed, it becomes a second or a first round pick. But if he doesn't re-sign and he goes to free agency, it stays a third. That is no longer going to be uh, no longer going to be allowed as a condition. A player re-signing is no longer going to be allowed as a condition. So you know you you just make the deal. If he ends up re-signing, all right, he re-signs. And if he doesn't, then he doesn't. So I'll be curious to see if that ends up making a difference in, in trades. Maybe we'll see, a, you know, some more higher picks get exchanged just in case. So a guy like Taylor Hall, you know, when, when they make that deal, okay, well, we'll give you a conditional third. But if he signs, you know, you got to give us a first. So then the teams, you know, now they'll have to kind of negotiate instead of saying, okay, we'll go a third. They don't resign a first. If they do resign, now you're going to see a lot more second round picks, uh, you know, higher picks start getting moved a little bit in the draft or maybe even first round picks you know if you want this guy you got to get this guy because we're looking to get some some good value out of him whether he signs with you or not is is your prerogative but we want value from this guy now so we'll see maybe i, th I think that could that could help um kind of help see some draft picks get exchanged a little bit because over the last couple of years it's been a little difficult to uh to obtain some higher end picks from teams just because building through the draft is the way of success in today's NHL. So uh, so that was one of the, the other things that I thought was, was interesting. Uh, we'll take a quick break right now. When we come back, I will uh, discuss what the calendar is going to look like in the NHL over the next couple of months. Uh, stay tuned to the Locked On Leafs podcast. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano with you. Uh, going over the new CBA agreement and now what the calendar is going to look like once the CBA, uh, well, now it, it is ratified. So this is what it looks like going forward. Uh, so first and foremost, July 13th, it's not far away, folks. This Monday, training camps open. Teams are going to, players are going to start traveling to their native team, their native cities, and start training camps. Now, a lot of them have already kind of done that. They've started just to get their skating uh, skating in. But now, you know, we're going to see every, everybody start going. Obviously, if you've tested positive for 
COVID. You probably are not going to be one of those guys who join your team right away. You'll probably have to do it a little bit later. Uh, I'll be interested to see how long before we see um, Austin Matthews. We haven't really heard anything other than the fact that he tested positive. There hasn't been uh, any other follow-up as to kind of when he tested positive, if he's now tested negative after uh, you know being isolated for a couple of weeks. There has it's it's been quiet on the on the. Austin Matthews front so maybe on the 13th we'll, we'll figure it out if he's in camp and he's in Toronto I guess we're good to go but if he's not there we're gonna start asking some questions uh, all right so July 26th is gonna be a big date because that's the day that the teams are supposed to travel to their hub cities uh, so between now and the 26th you you gotta just hope just hope that we don't get any more outbreaks either in Toronto in Edmonton or within with any of the teams that are going to be competing in the playoffs. Sadly, I don't know how that's going to go. You got two teams in Florida, in Tampa and the Panthers, and you got a team in Arizona. And you also got a team in Texas. So those four teams are some of the hottest, hottest COVID zones in America right now. Whether or not that's going to affect things, I don't know. Would they be better off coming now as opposed to sticking around for a couple of weeks and maybe exposing themselves? Who knows? So I think we still, you know, we're still not technically in the clear. Like, I feel good about it because, you know, we finally got it ratified and I don't want to take this into a negative, negative road. But at the same time, I'm kind of also in the camp where I'll believe we get hockey when I see it for myself. Because there's a lot of things that could happen and a lot of time for it to happen. You know, between now and the 26th, a lot, a lot can happen. You know, like we're still in the middle of a pandemic and this virus seems to be really 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 taking a toll on the u.s right now so we'll see what happens but the 26th is when people is when the teams are supposed to travel to the hub cities and on july 28th and 30th they'll play their exhibition games they get two games each and then starting august 1st the qualifying round begins so that's august 1st and then august 2nd the toronto maple leafs and the columbus blue jackets game one in Toronto. Can't wait. We're fi finally, after months of talking about literally nothing. Honestly, we have somehow done like three, four months worth of podcasts where we haven't talked about anything to do with playing hockey. I don't know how I did it, to be quite honest with you. I don't know why you guys stuck around and listened to me talk about nonsense uh, for the last few months, um, giving COVID updates, you know, CBA negotiation updates. It's kind of just been a lot of nonsense and, and, and filler content, but it, we're finally, finally going to get some hockey to talk about, um, and I can't wait. You know, Leafs, Blue Jackets, uh, so far they're slated to go August 2nd for Game 1, Game 2, August 4th, Game 3, August 6th, and then uh, 
if needed. Game four will be on the seventh, so a back-to-back there on the sixth and seventh for game three and four if needed. And then uh, a do-or-die game five if needed will be played on the ninth. And then on the tenth, the day right after the last day of uh, the qualifying round is when we will get our phase two of the NHL draft lottery. So we'll know by August 10th who will have the first overall pick. I still can't believe that the Leafs have a chance to get the first overall pick. I don't want them to because I'd rather them beat the Blue Jackets and go on a nice long playoff run. But they have the opportunity to do it. Um, the other thing that's interesting about these qualifying games and even the playoffs in general the timing of the schedules have yet to be determined. It's going to be interesting to see who ends up with which game. So what was reported the other day is it looks like it's going to be three games uh, per day per per Hub City. And they're going to be at 12, 4, and 8 p.m. local time, right? So get a game that starts at 12 o'clock uh, in Toronto, 12 o'clock in Edmonton, 4 o'clock in Toronto, 4 o'clock in Edmonton, 8 o'clock and 8 o'clock. But keep in mind that there is a two-hour time zone difference. Edmonton's back two hours. So when their 12 12 o'clock game starts, it'll be 2 o'clock here. So essentially, what you're going to get is about 15 straight hours of playoff hockey. Every single day. For about a month. I'm excited. I'm so excited. So after not getting any hockey for four months, we're going to get 15 hours of it every single day. Ugh, so excited. Uh, round one set to begin August 11th. Round two set to begin August 25th. Conference finals on September 8th. And the Stanley Cup finals set to begin on September 22nd with the last possible date of the final if it goes a full seven-round series, seven-game series, will be October 4th. So October 4th is the last possible date that the NHL will be awarding the Stanley Cup. So it's going to be a fun couple of months. It's weird. You know, usually August 4th is about the start of a new season. And now it's literally the opposite. It's going to be the end of our season. It, it gets, it's super weird to, to actually get through my head that instead of getting geared up through August and September and then finally getting to watch hockey in October, hockey's going to end now in October. And then we'll get the draft, which is scheduled to go October 9th and 10th. And then I would assume that free agency will also be uh, within a week or so of that date. So... And uh, there was a port, a report, I'm sure will come up pretty soon, that the league is aiming for a December 1st start date next season. Which, if you think about it, that's not really a long turnaround time for whatever teams make it to the final. Because, I mean, a December 1st start date, now, if that means preseason, okay, maybe. But I'm pretty sure that would mean, like, that's the start of the regular season. Which means camp would start about mid-November. So if you get a team that goes all the way through to October 4th, 
they might only get about six weeks off, and then they're right back at it again. Ready to go for next season. That's not a long time to recover. You know, we've seen hangovers last quite a bit into the following season just because, you know, teams run out of gas. They make such long playoff runs. Now, they've spent the last, like, four months off of hockey, so they should be fairly recharged and refreshed. So maybe it's not going to be the same because it's not just, like, a nine-month slug all the way through where, you know, by the end of the Stanley Cup Finals, you're just gassed and you need a couple of months to, to recoup after that. Maybe here, just because it's, you know, a quick three, two, three-month thing, two months, really, if you think about it, um, they'll be good to go. You know? I'm excited. I'm so excited. We're just, we're finally getting hockey back. Um, and I really do believe that the Leafs have a pretty good chance to be successful if they can stay healthy. If they can stay healthy and, um, you know, they don't get any anyone opting out, because that's also something, too, that I didn't mention. Players have, I, I believe, up to 72 hours from when the deal was ratified to opt out of the return to play and not play the playoffs this season. One player has already done that, Travis Hamanick. Now, he had a terrific reason. Um, has a daughter who has a respiratory illness. And obviously, what we know now is, you know, anybody who uh, has a respiratory illness is extremely, extremely high risk uh, if they were also to contract COVID. So, obviously, as a father, you do not want to do anything, anything that could potentially put your child at risk for something like that. So... You know, he he announced today that he's bowing out and, uh, you know, completely respect that opinion. Completely respect that decision. Completely. I wouldn't expect, I, I would expect to see some more. You know, we're seeing in other sports, the NFL, the, or, uh, the NBA, the MLB. I would expect to see some more. We'll see if, if, if a guy like, like Max Domi or Capo Caco. You know, they're both um, type 1 diabetic, which makes them also high risk if they were to to, to get uh, COVID. You know, so will they play? I don't know. I guess we'll find out in the next little bit. Hopefully by the end of the weekend, uh, we'll, you know, they'll, they'll, whoever decides to opt out will come out. It'll get announced. And by Monday, I'll be able to come back on the show and discuss it with you. Um... We'll leave it right there, though. So that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. And if you want to hear some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast, where me and four other Locked On hosts discuss the latest news around the entire league. As for this show, I'll be back with another episode next week. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs. Leaves.